0: Welcome to the Three Creeks Church Podcast. We're a church in Gahanna, Ohio that exists to help people find and follow God. We hope this message encourages you, challenges you, and helps you discover how much God really loves you. To us,
1: in Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Trevor, thanks for pastor in our church through this. It's fun to do it together, man. So he just gave me one of these back there. So we're good. Uh, so my name is Joel, and I get to be the pastor here. And we're in a series for four weeks through just a couple verses of the Bible. We're going to move through it like turtles. We're just going to kind of go one little phrase at a time. Jesus answered a question that his disciples asked him. They asked him, Lord, will you teach us how to pray? And Jesus you never knew what Jesus was going to do. You didn't know if he was going to tell him a story and then bounce and say, figure it out. He didn't, you didn't know if he was going to ask him a question in return. But Jesus, he just answered the question. And he said, this then is how you should pray. Trevor just asked a question a second ago. Do you know how to pray? Maybe before I get to that question, let me ask you another one. Do you have what you would consider to be a deep relationship with God. When you hear that phrase, a deep relationship with God, be honest. Would you say that you have one? Or maybe would you say, I used to have one. Or maybe would you say, I've heard about people that have one. I've interacted with people that seem to have one, but I don't know if I have one. I've heard it said, and I believe that it's true, that the, the cause and the effect of what you and I would call a deep relationship with God, the cause and the effect of that is prayer. It is prayer with God that leads us to that place more than any other thing. And, we're, and when we're in that place where we would answer that question, yes, <laughs> I do, I do feel like I have a deep relationship and connection with God. That is also something that causes us to pray even more. So if you're you're interested in having a deep and meaningful relationship with God where you really feel Like your prayers are not hitting a ceiling, but rather you're communicating with the Creator, with God Almighty. If you're interested in that, then this is a series for us because I'm interested in that. I want to walk so closely with God. So we should actually answer the other question then too. Do you know how to pray? I mean, there's probably some people in the room that go, yeah. Been praying forever, know how to do it. Got to close your eyes. Got to fold your hands. Got to make sure you say spiritual words like just, like I just want to just pray for just, you know, it's one of the words that you throw in there. You know, for sure, like, you know, you could pray for anything. Like some of us have been around church a while, so we've gotten pretty comfortable praying. It's like you could pray while you're driving. You can pray while you're walking. You have to pray for sure before you eat because somewhere in the Bible, I don't know where it is, apparently somebody came up with the fact that it says you got to pray before you eat. because we all do it. God's got to bless the food, and so we say, yeah, I know how to pray. And then there's another group of people in here who go, if I'm honest, not really. I feel a little bit uncomfortable praying. I didn't grow up praying. The, the the whole idea kind of makes me a little uncomfortable. It's not, I'm, it's not something I'm used to. I don't know those Christianese words to say, so I'm not even sure if I'm allowed to pray. Wherever you're at, whether you would say, yeah, I know how to pray, or no, I don't know how to pray, this series is for you. If, if you could go back and ask the 12 disciples that question, do you guys know how to pray? Peter, James, John, bring the boys in here. You get them all in there, all 12 of them. Hey, do you guys know how to pray? What do you think they would have said? I think their answer would have depended when you asked them. If you had asked them, do you know how to pray before Jesus called them to be one of his followers, they would have said, definitely. We have been praying since we were two years old. Our parents, most of them are scripted, but man, my family, We are a Jewish family, and we have been praying. We know how to pray. We know how to talk to God. The answer to that question is yes. And then after they met Jesus, it's kind of weird how it's flipped the other way around. After they met Jesus, they realized, well, wait a second. Maybe we don't. Because they got around Jesus, and Jesus would pray, and it was so different than what they were doing. It was so personal, and it was compelling to the point that the disciples did something that is not recorded anywhere else in the Bible, they just straight up asked him, Lord, Jesus, will you teach us how to pray? They, they did not ask Jesus, can you teach us how to walk on water? They did not ask Jesus, can you teach us how to turn bread and fish and feed a thousand people? They didn't ask him how to do anything else. They just said, Jesus, Lord, will you teach us how to pray? In Luke chapter 9... It says, it tells the story. It says, one day Jesus was praying in a certain place. And when he finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray. Because they, like, they felt like they were missing something. They thought they knew what they were doing, but they thought, man, maybe we're doing it wrong because the way that Jesus prays is different than the way that I've grown up praying. And they said, Lord, teach us how to pray. Let me just be transparent just for a minute as we start this series. I have felt similar to them with the feeling of, I feel like I'm missing something here. I try to pray. I pray a lot. I pray in meetings. I pray with my wife. I pray with my family. I pray often, I would say, but but at times... If I'm just being honest, I have asked the question, am I doing this thing right? And the reason that that question comes up in my mind so much is because it feels like not a lot of my prayers are working very well. I have prayed and asked God for things that matter very much to me, and it seems like he didn't hear what I said. Like I've prayed sincerely, For friends who are battling depression, praying that God would give them joy, and they're in a way worse spot than they were. I've done it. And so it causes me to go, did I do it wrong? I've prayed for people to be healed of cancer, and they died. I've prayed for our church to be way more diverse. And we are so white, and we are so 30 years old. And I'm like, am I doing it wrong? Why don't you want that too, God? I've prayed for my friends' marriages to be reconciled. And they weren't. I've prayed for friends who I love dearly to come to know Jesus, and they haven't. And it's caused me to say, am I doing this thing wrong? And if I am, how do I fix that? Because I know, I know enough about God to know that this is something that He wants to have with me. And it is the cause, and it is the effect of a deep relationship with Him But am I doing it wrong? If you've ever had any of those thoughts or experiences, then I hope this series will help us understand prayer a little bit better. Jesus answers their request when they said, Lord, teach us to pray. And before I tell you what he says, and and I think you've got a, a, a little idea of perhaps what Jesus is about to say. but. Before we dive into every line and think about what Jesus is actually saying, let me just ask you one more question before we get into it. Are you willing to be wrong about prayer as you feel about it now? Are you willing to let Jesus actually change how you pray or what you pray or what you even think about prayer? Are you you willing to put yourself in a place where before we even read it, we're going to go, let's listen to what Jesus says? Because some of what he says might change how you pray. Are you willing to let Jesus change how you pray? Matthew chapter 6, verse 9. This is the first thing Jesus says. He says, this then is how you should pray. This then is how you should pray our father in heaven. It's the first line. So, it's worth noting that he doesn't pray to Jesus, and he doesn't pray to Jesus's mom, and he doesn't pray to any of the saints. He prays directly to our father, God the father. And he uses an incredibly relational term. He uses Father. It's supposed to feel like you're talking to somebody who cares for you and loves you. Yet at the same time, he also acknowledges where the Father is, he's in heaven. So, on one hand, Jesus is saying, You open up your prayer with this, like, you gotta go talk to him, our Father. It's intimate. And then he goes, But let's just remember for a second that he is in heaven, he is infinite. And so in a weird way, he's unimaginably relational and yet unimaginably unknowable at the same time. This is the God that we pray to. He says, our father in heaven. And that does beg the question, at least for me, if I prayed, dear Jesus, did I, is that where I went wrong? Because that's how I've been teaching my kids to pray. You start off, dear Jesus, and Jesus is saying, this is how you should pray. You start off with our Father. And so if you prayed, dear Jesus, did God really hear you? Or if you prayed, Spirit lead me, Holy Spirit lead me, did God really hear you? And I think the answer to this is that it's, it's two. One, God is a trinity. God is three in one. And so what the Father hears and what you prayed through Jesus and what you prayed by the Spirit, it's not as if God didn't get to Him. God loves it when you talk to all three of the persons in the Trinity. But it is worth noting that Jesus says that we should pray to our Father. And maybe the easiest way to understand this would be that we pray by the Spirit, through the Son, but to the Father— And so the Spirit is the person of the Trinity that helps us know what to say, or helps us know what not to say, or helps us to know to be quiet for a minute. And we pray through Jesus Christ, the Son. Without Jesus Christ, there's no real access like this to the Father. But ultimately, we are praying to the Father. And it's worth, you can't, even talk about this, and you can't talk about prayer, and you can't talk about praying to a father without acknowledging that for some people in this room, that's an easy word or illustration to imagine when praying, a father. Because some of us in the room had really good dads. None of us had perfect dads, but a lot of us, we had good dads. Dads, I had a great dad, a dad that I could go to and talk about anything. I could go to my dad today and talk about anything. He's been full of truth and full of grace all of my life. He's made that a safe place for me, but I realized that that might not be your experience. When you hear my father, you go get out of here. It's not how I want to start my prayer because of some of the pain that's even associated with that word. And as I was studying a little bit for this and listening to a couple messages about this passage, I just heard something that I thought I could relay to you. It's that if that is the case for you, if, if the image of praying to a father, having a father-child relationship is something that actually just stirs up pain and disappointment in you, then the best advice that I could pass on to you would be to take that to your heavenly father. because he, he, knows, he knows everything about your earthly father. He knows more about your earthly father than you know about your earthly father. And so bring that with you. You're not surprising God the Father. Take the pain and the disappointment with you as you pray to your heavenly father. So we start our prayers to an intimate and yet infinite father. And then Jesus says, hallowed be your name. The one word of this prayer that I know the least about hallowed, or hallowed, not real good at pronunciation apparently, be your name. Which essentially means holy is your name and revered is your name and set apart is your name. Jesus wants us, before we get to the lists of things that we would like him to do for us, he would like us to pause and remember who we're talking to. Can I just say that it is hard for me to, to get in that mind space where, where hallowed be his name and set apart is his name and holy is his name. It's hard for me to get to that place when I'm driving. Or when I'm sitting in traffic or when I'm going about my day, I talk to people and sometimes I even give the answer to people like, hey, tell me about your prayer life. And they say, oh, I'm just kind of more like a pray on the go kind of person. I'm like, I'm not against pray on the go. I'm just telling you for me, that's not a real conducive place for me to hallow his name. For me to actually stop and pause and think, holy smokes, I'm talking to God right now. There's a, there's a verse in 1 Thessalonians that says that we're to pray continually which would mean that the the pray-on-the-go attitude is good. We're supposed to pray all the time. And as we pray, as we get closer to God, we're just going to want to pray more. However, there is one place that Jesus says, this is where you should pray. He actually gives some instructions. It's right before the Lord's prayer. They actually, it's kind of funny. They said, Lord, teach us how to pray. And first, Jesus kind of goes into a paragraph of how not to pray. And then he kind of gives these instructions we're talking about now. But if I could highlight one thing that he said when he's giving some instructions about prayer in general. In Matthew 6, Jesus says, when you pray, go into your room, close the door, and pray to your Father who is unseen. And then your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. And so while I'm clearly, I want to go on record and say, I'm not an anti-on-the-go type prayer. I think that's a part of the Christian life is to constantly be praying to God. However, I am saying that Jesus said that there's one place, go into your room, close the door. Nobody knows And get in the mind space where you actually can revere his name and remember who you're talking to. There's one person in the Old Testament who talks about what it would be like to be face to face with God. And it wasn't even in reality. It was in a vision that he had. The prophet Isaiah, when he's talking about getting to see God in Isaiah chapter 6, Verse 1, it says, in the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord. I had a vision of seeing the Lord. And he was sitting on a throne, and he was high and lifted up. And I walked in, and the train of his robe filled the temple. And above him were seraphim, which is a special word for angels, It's not even used anywhere else. These are special angels. They had six wings. Every one of the angels had six wings, and with two they were covering their faces. And with two wings, they were covering their feet. And with two, they were flying. And the seraphim are calling out to one another, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. And at the sound of the voices of the seraphim, the doorposts shook and the whole temple was filled with smoke. And Isaiah said, I just had no other response but to say, woe is me. I'm a man of unclean lips. I live among a people of unclean lips. And one of the seraphim flew over to the altar and took a hot coal and came and touched my lips with it. And I just, I, I, I read that and I go, when is the last time I thought about that when I prayed? That is who I get to pray to. And I, I would just say that if you're anything like me, that if I started a prayer in my room with the door closed and I started it off with, Our Father in heaven. And then for 20 seconds, I thought about Isaiah's description of God. If you're anything like me, it just feels like my whole prayer would change after that. It just seems like what I came in with, it would just change what I'm about to say to God when I hallow his name. And then Jesus says, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. This is how we, we're supposed to open up. Your will be done. Your kingdom come. And, and for a minute I'm going, well, wait, 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 wait. I, I was kind of coming here thinking that we could talk about my will being done. I actually came here not really to spend time with you, but I was hoping you could take care of some stuff for me. I've got something I want to talk to you about, God. And this is obviously not wrong for us to do, but the, the heart behind a prayer in the beginning is ultimately my, your kingdom come, God. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. But for me, I think, what about my will? What about my friend? What about my job? What about my lack of a job? What about my health? What about my kids? That is what I typically come into prayer more interested in talking about than the Lord's will. And if, if you, like me, have ever prayed anything and it didn't happen, you prayed something that was so close to your heart and it mattered so much to you, this has been my experience. And it didn't happen. Let me just throw this out there. If that causes us to be frustrated or confused, does that tell us more about God or does that tell us more about our view of God? That maybe we're actually viewing him as some divine favor distributor as a healer waiting to be summoned, as a lifeguard waiting to be called into action, if we determine the success of our prayers based on whether or not God answered us, doesn't that actually mean that we would like God to submit to our will rather than being interested in His will being done? When He prays, your kingdom come, Your will be done. He's helping us understand that prayer is about surrendering our will, not imposing it. It's not about coming in to move God. It's about creating a space for God to move in us. It's not about coming in and seeing if we could get God to do some stuff for us. It's about coming in and putting ourselves in a place where we are saying, God, can we do anything for you? Is there any way that I'm getting in the way of your will? What is your will, your agenda, your list? What do you want to do, God? And how can I be a part of that? Not my will, but yours be done. Let me say that again. Not my will, but yours be done. Does that sentence ring any bells for you? Not my will, but yours be done. A couple years after Jesus taught the disciples to pray, Jesus wasn't just going to talk the talk. He was going to walk the walk. And the night before, Jesus was killed. The night before, one of his best friends betrayed him in the Garden of Gethsemane. When Jesus was on his knees and he was praying to God the Father, He says to God the Father, if there's any other way that we can save everybody, can we do that instead? I do not want to be crucified. I don't want to have to wear the wrath, your wrath, the wrath that you have for all mankind. I don't want to have to take that upon myself. It's going to be brutal. God, can this cup pass? Can I not have to do this? And then Jesus ends his prayer with, but not my will, but yours be done. Even Jesus surrenders his will to the Father and says, you know best. You know what has to happen. You see it all. I don't see all of it at all. And do you know what hung in the balance when Jesus prayed that prayer? Better yet, do you know who hung in the balance of Jesus choosing to surrender his will? The answer to that is that you did. You hung in the balance, and I hung in the balance, and the whole world hung in the balance of Jesus Christ submitting his will to the will of the Father and saying, you know best, I'm going to trust you on this one. Any posture other than submission, and we're not doing it right. I mean, Trevor said it right before I came up here, you know, do you know how to pray? And, 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 Maybe we don't. And I'm I'm just being honest with you that my posture in prayer has not been full submission because I'm an American. I don't submit to anybody, you know? I have a hard time with submission. Anybody else? I have a hard time admitting that I don't know what's best. Anybody else? But any posture other than submission, God, you know what is best. Help me to see it. Help me to be a part of it. Help me not to get in the way of it. You know what is best. That is the posture of prayer. The, uh, the trainer family, my family, has a list of 10 trainer family values. And I don't even know if they know any, what any of them mean yet, but they know how to repeat them, or they know how to finish the sentence. We'll work on the, what they actually mean later. But, um, Number two, on the list of trainer family values, if I were to say at the table, prayer, Cooper and Judah would say, changes things. Prayer changes things. And what I'm going to add at some point to that, maybe we'll have to reprint the sign, Morgan, sorry. But what I'm going to add at some point when my kids want to know what does prayer change, I'm going to add mostly me. That prayer changes things mostly me. That it's not about me coming in and giving my list of things that I hope change, but rather it's a space that I put myself in, a conversation that I put myself in where God changes me where I come in with a certain list of desires, but as it turns out, at the end, I have a different set of desires because God changed me. So do you want what you would call a deep relationship with God? The cause and the effect of that is prayer. And I hope that for the next four weeks, that we can learn how to pray. And if you try it out this week, just try it out just like this. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Trevor's going to come out here in a second or maybe he's out here somewhere and he's going to kind of lead us through a way to respond to just these couple verses. And after that, we'll sing a song. But before we get there, let's just take a minute and see if we can surrender our will. I feel like if I actually asked you, we'd all have an issue to some extent surrendering our will. If that, that causes you hesitation, that's okay. That's progress. Maybe ask yourself the question, what's causing me hesitation in surrendering to God Almighty? What, what is it that you're scared of giving up that's making you feel that way. I, uh... Even in these moments, I hope God can reveal more of who He is to you. So let me pray. Actually, no, Trevor's here. Come on out, man. I'll let you pray.
0: The wrong one. Oh, there it is. Um... Yeah, thanks, Joel, for that. Um, I thought Joel brought up a lot of good points. Um, I just really want to ask a couple of easy questions for us to reflect on. And while they're easy, don't breeze over them. Give them the time that they deserve. Um, The first one is, are you content with your prayer life? And be re- be really honest with yourself, are you content with your prayer life? Second one, because the answer to that, if you're honest, should probably be no. The second question is where does it need to grow? Joel brought up um, at least the two things that stuck out to me was that we need to remember who we're talking to. We need to sit in I thought it was really cool because. There's this posture of like absolute humility before the glory of God and also this absolute intimacy.